Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9. It's Chris here and I'm joined in the studio today with my fellow team members, Phil and Gordon. And we're both fellows. And we're fellows. Huh? Fellows of what? Uh, of the fellowship. Fellows of the fellowship. Yes, oh, you don't go Lord, overboard. You might be Lord of the Rings, you mean. The Fellowship of the Ring. I never really got into that. <laughs> Me either. So you're talking a, a weird, wonderful language there, I Gordon. love that book. I thought that book was absolutely superb. The, and, like and Something like this show, superb. Well, the book is fantasy. And then you go in <laughs> just like this. No, we are not fantasy. We are history. Oh, yeah, but that's sometimes that's a bit of a fantasy too, isn't it? <laughs> Especially if there's topics like we're going to be discussing today. We've got a follow-up reference to Matthew Shepard, his story, his life story, or his death story. We'll be talking about an event that you went to uh, last Thursday, Gordon. Yes. And we'll be talking about, hopefully, a very influential fellow in the American political and social scene, Gore Vidal. We've got a subject with three A's, and it's not AAA. It's the ABC, the RLC, and Aspens. Now, you have to listen to find out what we all mean about that, but then there's some international gay and lesbian stories that we have come to our notice from the current press overseas. So, there we are. Well, we cover all fields, don't we? We so, Well, we hope so. <laughs> we Eventually. don't cover many sporting fields. No. Because that's generally considered boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I don't, yeah. But. Well, let's get the coming back out ball out of the way, please, Gordon, because it's an interesting and heartwarming story. The coming back out ball is done by all the Queen's men. Tristan and Beck, and it was another wonderful, wonderful night of um, very good entertainment, lots of music to dance, good food, and great conversation. Yeah. Held at? Held at the Melbourne Town Hall. Be To be held again next year? Well, I'm not sure yet. We just have to see what happens. Why? Well, I, but, well, surely it was a success. Well, they've got to get the feedback into the... Um, the see, it was it's put on as part of the Seniors Festival. The government does give them some money to sort of help run it. And I guess that they've got to work out what it was like. One of my dinner partners was sitting next to me was Martin Foley, the Minister for Equality. He oh, was excuse sitting next me. To, uh, yeah, well, we, I dropped my pearls yeah, into but the we're, soup. We're just having a lovely chat, you know, but that was all right. <laughs> and then there was another lovely young man from Scotland who'd come out. 
sorry he came out from Scotland or he professed that he was gay? Well, he, he said he'd left his boyfriend home, so I gathered he's gay. All yes. oh, right, so that was a, one way of coming out. Yes. But the other coming out but, was? But he's the assistant director of the National Theatre of Glasgow, and uh, his boss, the, the director, had been talking to Tristan while he was in London at one stage, and Tristan had told them about the coming back out ball, so she went back to Glasgow, and she said to Robbie, you're going out to Melbourne for a week. I want you to go and st- go to the coming back out ball and see how they do it. But why did she want to know? We all remember that Tristan ran the Coming Back Out ball. Yes, yes. We've had him on our show. Why did Glasgow... Well, she thought the idea was absolutely wonderful to have a Coming Back Out ball for the older gay and lesbian community of Glasgow. So And? They're going to put it on in 2020, apparently. So she thought that we were going to be a good example of how to do it. How to do it. How to do it. And And how to do it well. And Robbie was very, very impressed. He said it's just that the the entertainment was wonderful and the music was wonderful, the food was good. Everything was just a nice night. Yeah. And everybody sort of got on well. A ball was had by all. You're not wrong, Narelle. <laughs> <laughs> it was held at the Melbourne Town Hall in the lower ground floor? Upper floor. The whole town hall was packed. Wow. Jam-packed. Okay. No, yep. Any numbers? Oh, probably about, I would say estimated 500. Wow. Or so. There, there were, I was on table 23, and there were many more tables after that. So there, were, there was a lot of people there, and they, were, they had a whole... I had an email, and they said, if you're not coming tonight, can you let us know, and they can call up somebody on the waiting list. So they had a waiting list for people to come. Yeah, it was great. Good night, good night. Mm. And it was a varied collection of pioneers, there of was, seniors, yeah, of were, even younger people? Oh, there was quite a few young people there, yeah. yeah. They come along, because it's, it's a good night. Yeah. Tristan did a wonderful job again, yep. Tristan and the All the Queen's Men. And a couple of supporting acts as well? Yeah, they had briefs again, which was, they're brilliant. They're a group of Australian men that do some really wonderful burlesque type stuff. Meow Meow was the singer. She's wonderful. I've never seen Meow Meow, but she's great. What a great voice that woman has. And a beautiful pair of legs for all the ladies to look at. And um, then the uh, music was for the dancing was from a group called Electric Fields, which I'd never heard of, but was, was really, really good. Yeah. Well chosen. And you had a nice dance, did you? I had some dances with Robbie and David and a few other people, yeah. yeah. Not, you, don't, you don't get to do um, close-up, you know, holding one another dancing no. on these things. It's one of those jumpy, jumpy things, you know. All right. <laughs> you just move around, move around <laughs> on the floor. <laughs> but it was, it was a wonderful night, a really wonderful night for the that older gay community. great to mm. hear, Gordon. Thank you. And thank you to Tristan and the crew mm. for making it such a success. Mm. Yeah. It was. sounds like it's got an international reputation now. Well, there's a few people in different countries have been on to Tristan and the, all the Queen's men about what they're doing here in Australia for the older community. That's good. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been reminding ourselves of the fact that Matthew Shepard was a young gay guy in the US who had been set upon by a couple of fellows that he'd met at a pub and they committed a crime upon his being under the guise of sort of protecting themselves from his perceived uh, homosexuality. Well, they, well they, uh, there was an, I saw an interview on the television during the week about that and they, they sort of said, well, we thought we, it, it was only him and we were two, you know, we could do what we wanted, you know. Mm. That was the way they... they I thought, oh God! And, and this was a, a crime that was committed back in 1999, I think it was. Quite a while ago. Mm. Quite a while ago, but it represented the social attitudes of that time, and uh, I think 
that as a result of the court cases and the exposure of Matthew Shepard's circumstances and the fact that after being bashed up and, and his body left on the barbed wire fence, he died six days later and the, cry, the court case created a precedent within the US system. Yeah, the Supreme Court it, passed the Matthew Shepard bill, which... Um, well, it's basically an act to define hate as a crime. Mm, mm. And the Hate Crimes Act covers a lot of different categories, not just gay people. But he was killed because he was gay. And that sort of hate cannot be tolerated in society. But they had a wonderful um, service for his... Um the interment of his ashes and the Washington Cathedral. It was quite yeah. lovely. I saw quite a longish sort of thing well, on one of the television stations. His parents have been, oh, I guess, in two minds what to do with well, his ashes. Th- that's right. They because didn't. his tomb, if it was publicly displayed, would become either a target yes. of homophobics or just unnecessarily highlighted. And in a sense, I don't think he should be left alone now. He should be in a very public place where he can feel support. Well, he mm. is in a public place. He's, yeah. he's, his ashes are interred in the at the Washington Cathedral, along with Helen Keller and a few other famous people. Mm. And uh, his, his his parents said that now they they can come and visit him and know that he's going to be safe for the yeah. rest of his uh, for all eternity, basically. You mm. know. Yeah, it's a wonderful location. It's mm. it's not. It, it's a cathedral, but in Washington, these are just monuments. Yeah. And, you know, it's a public place and it's protected by federal law. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's and the, a nice, secure place they could have found for him. But the Reverend Gene Robinson burst into tears, was crying at the end of yeah. the service. Yeah, yeah. And it was a, it was a very emotional sort of service. And um, he's now can rest in peace for the rest of the yeah, time. It, it's an uplifting end to a truly horrible story. Oh, shocking story, <laughs> shocking story, yeah. That was very, very good. I think we're going to have some music. The guitarist just walked in. Anybody we know? You asked me if it's your fault For letting me play with trucks when I was younger And then you went on to say How will I break this news to your mother And you say you cry for three days straight And I don't understand it Cause loving her, it ain't an innocent She makes me happy She makes me happy. We got to hold on and 
Gordon, Phil and Chris been there, done that on Joy 94.9. We have social commentators here in Australia who like to to criticise any government that's in power and always come up with other stories and reflections upon their abilities or their inabilities. And sometimes these social commentators really have a great insight and get down to the the real nub of the problem and often come up with marvellous suggestions. So you're not talking about Sydney shock jocks who, oh. who think that they're social commentators? Oh. No. Or, or the right-wing press, no. Okay. no. <laughs> so a commentator might grow up to one day be a French fry. You've got to dig them up I first if you want a commentator. It's a commentator. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. You're, you're a smart fellow for a, a guy who's coming up for a birthday later on. What, are you saying that... that Knowledge and experience fade with age. <laughs> what, what are you trying I, to tell me? I could, what did you say? I can't remember. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, run that past me again. Uh, but in the US, there was a commentator who died back on the 31st of July 2012, although he'd been born on the 3rd of October 1925. He died at a rich old age of 86 and he was an American citizen and classified as one of America's great overachievers. We're talking about Gore Vidal. This little report I've got here says he's, he's hard to categorise. He's a novelist, social critic, playwright, essayist, mystery writer, pulp romance writer, adventure writer, screenwriter, expat jet setter, literary critic, congressional candidate, political activist and actor. I wonder when he had time for breakfast. To balance out all that that positivity, he was known as being cantankerous, opinionated, gruff and completely inflexible. Yes, well, he, he, because I think when you're doing all those sort of jobs and what he was doing, it would make him very, very um, uh, thing about people that didn't have an idea of what to do you know yeah i think it'd be very straightforward about things because he didn't have time to be trying to unravel other people's problems highly motivated Mm, mm, and mm. his mind was 
in one particular direction, but I suppose that's where people say that he was opinionated and completely inflexible. Yeah. I suppose some people, and I'm, this is only my suggestion, but some people would now be able to put one of those modern psychological terms on his behaviour, whereas before we just said, you know, he's a cranky old bugger. He was a very smart cranky old bugger. He was a great author. He wrote the very first gay book that I ever read back in the 1950s, which was The City and the Pillar. What was that all about? Oh, it was was so long ago, I can't remember. But but I understand from what we were chatting about a little earlier, he was actually spilling the beans on what some of the gentlemen of New York uh, were doing with each other, although they were happily married, or so so, yeah, yeah. so called happily married, it was, it was a it was a very clever story, and, and of course I had to go to a very offbeat bookshop to get it, and then it was wrapped in a brown paper bag, so nobody could see that I oh, bought it. Right. Here's being the first mainstream coming out novel. Mm. And most of his subsequent literary works had prominent gay characters and gay themes, opening up the path for other writers to expand gay visibility in mainstream fiction. And I suppose that's what uh, his different slant on the world resulted in. I think he sort of led the the opening up of, of gay literature, actually. Um, because it then got all sorts of different writers that came out and could start writing about their own gay lives, you know. It's, uh, it, it, he, he was very, very good at that. So at that time, being gay would have been a criminal offence? Well, I think it's still a criminal offence in most parts of America. Well, yeah. You in, know, in the smaller they, parts. In the smaller parts, yes, I think that's the thing. Because we were, we were criminals here until, what, the 1990s, weren't we? In, mm. in Victoria. Yeah, exactly. we were classified as criminals. But um, we didn't care. We were not. No. We weren't breaking any laws. We'd just been ourselves. Okay, removing the internet, do we have a modern equivalent? to Mr. Vidal? Oh. There must be some... I, I read a lot of gay writers, if that's what you mean. There yeah, but no, there's a, a commentator, though. A commentator on the thing? If you look at some of the people he's hobnobbed with. Ellen DeGeneres would be one. Oh. She's a commentator on the on the scene, I would have thought. I don't watch her show, but I know you do. Yeah, uh, but see, I'm, I'm thinking back, like, guests at his villa in... What was it? Italy. In Italy, it was in Italy. Yes, on the on the Capri um, Coast. We've got names like Leonard Bernstein, well, Peter gay. O'Toole, yeah. Andy Warhol, Tennessee Williams, Princess Margaret, Lauren Bacall, Paul, Paul Newman. That that was a they were the jet set. But they were they were also um, leaders of fashion and and ideas in those days and as well. icons mm, yeah. during their lifetimes. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's almost as if it's a thing of the past. Well, you don't sort of see it so much these days because I think because like with the like here in Australia, for instance, with the Equal Marriage Act that came through, the anti-gay people were out in making their comments, but the the gay community didn't sort of rise to the bait a lot of the time. You know, they didn't sort of say, "No, we don't need this." Well, we've been hearing that rubbish our whole lives, hmm. so it wasn't a new fight. That's right. No, it was a new fight for them because suddenly we had some power. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and they didn't like it when the yeah. power was being taken from them. But I wonder if the internet has killed off that type of personality. Well, because everybody has an opinion now. But there, you, you, you get very opinionated people on the on the television and and radios. Yeah. You, you know, you can you can hear. Um, all sorts of opinions if you listen to enough shows. But with Gordon Vidal, I get the feeling that the result of his life was a greater good. Well, he did a hell of a lot of good to, to promote the um, to the gay and lesbian community's lifestyle, that's for sure. But I, I don't see listed in his, his 
critics anything about a you know a horrible self promoter or anything. It wasn't like it was not all about me. Well, of course, he came from a very very well connected family. You see, he was you see Al Gore is his second cousin or something rather, and he, the, the Gore name goes right through politics. Yeah. So it's it, he he was up in the echelon of of high power. Or he having been born into a political family, that's he would right. have known that's the way to do things. Well, I know they've been in horror movies for years. It's blood and gore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we don't know who Miss Blood is. But, yeah. <laughs> but he also, apart from uh, City and the Pillar in 1948, in 1968 he wrote another novel, Myra Breckenridge. The main character in, in that book undergoes clinical sex change and was a sharp satire on the contemporary mores of this time. Can I tell you that right now, if the woman that played the um, thing in that role was who was Raquel Welch... Hmm. She wouldn't get a job on that movie now because they, everybody would be up in arms about having a straight woman playing a transgender yeah. person, as which is what is happening a lot in the um, film and, in, and um, television industry, where they're complaining about gay people playing not uh, straight people playing gay roles. Yeah. But it was not a very good movie, and he didn't like it. He thought it was the most awful movie he'd ever seen. It was never a very well received movie. I didn't manage to see it, but. He it was it turned out to be one of his best ever novels. Really, he he was classified as a great novel. But he wrote under different names, didn't he? His his romance novels were written by Catherine Everard. Well, that's and Everard. Yes, he's that probably name, Everard. Yeah, that name came because Vidal and his partner Austin met in 1950 in New York City's Everard Baths. <laughs> So that's just a cheeky little... Just a cheeky little reference to... Just, yeah, mm. which is very much an in-joke, I guess it was. Probably was, yeah. But he, he, lived, he lived most of his life in Italy, in the, in the Mediterranean Well, coast. he thought America was a bit homophobic. That's right. Which he didn't in, like to live there. Yeah. At that time, he would have been dead right, wouldn't he? Yeah, that's right. And uh, he had a marvellous arrangement with Austin, his, his partner, his life partner. Well, we're not quite sure exactly, uh, but they did have an arrangement. They were they were not never intimate sexually, but no. they were intimate, um, intimate as as like a, a a locked team together. Yeah. But they also drifted when they wanted if they looked for separate partners. Yeah. Yeah, they they would go out and find what they wanted, and but not bring them home, sort of thing. No, there was no. off premises. Yeah. yeah. It's a strange arrangement. But it worked. But yeah, I mean, I can see living with somebody because they're just the right person to live with. And you may not be physically attracted to them. That's right. Yeah, but you you could have. So you, it, they obviously gave each other permission to hmm. to venture out. You could have an emotional relationship. You don't have to have a sexual one. Hmm. You know, but he was. He, it's nice to have both. It's best best better <laughs> to have both. I think you know. Yeah. So he's got a very extensive uh, collection of books that he's written and other reference documents that. Uh, uh, support our way of mm. looking at the world and has given us encouragement over the years and set the world on a new way of thinking. You're on Joy. Been there, done that with Gordon, Phil and Chris. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. You're with Gordon, Phil and Chris. Been there, done that. Joy 94.9. Thanks for being with us. We've got to get the three A's off our little list of topics to talk about. A A A. That means it's top of the value, isn't it? When you when it gets a triple A rating. Yeah, yes. something like that. No, it's the Auto Club in America. 
Oh, is it? Okay. The American Automotive Association. Oh, oh right. Okay. 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 Right. But the first AAA is, uh, uh, is the ABC, which is the first three letters of the alphabet as it's well. the Jackson 5 song. That's right, yeah. Um, and <laughs> Keep on topic. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, easy as you and me. Oh, yes. Um, on the 5th of November, 1956... My true love sent to me... No. <laughs> it just sounded like you were going into song. <laughs> on the 5th of November... <laughs> <laughs> um, the ABC's first television broadcast commenced in Sydney, and two weeks later, ABC TV came to Melbourne. It's almost a failed or an expired technology. I don't know. Do you use it very often? Oh, I have TV on every time. Yeah, I, I, is this your friendly home companion? Is it? Well, not yes. But, well, if my boyfriend's there. We both sit and watch it together. Yeah. <laughs> But it's uh, it's I I couldn't live without the ABC either the radio or the television quite frankly I I, it, I I'm not one that likes to be constantly interrupted with um, advertising matter because I think you lose the the flow of something that's happening when it breaks off you know yeah, okay. and they always break at the right time you know the wrong time for me but, but you would have if you tuned in to the ABC let's say in the early 1960s you would be hearing this very proper. English accent, you would have no idea you're on Australian television. It would be a very formal, stuffy channel. Is didn't, the impression that I get? But, but it didn't matter. The, the but, but see, in the old days, the, it, when the ABC radio started, they used to get dressed up in dinner suits to go and appear on the radio. The announcers wore dinner suits to the radio. Well, nobody can see what you're wearing. So these days, you can go in with next to nothing on. Oh, it's nobody a collar has and a tie co- and jacket, and you, oh, they're yeah. wearing shorts and thongs under the desk. That's right, yeah. But they would have audiences to a lot of the shows on That's radio. Right. Yeah, yeah, they did. So they'd go to town halls and things. And but, the, but the radio, of course, was going a long time before the ABC. It was appropriate for its time. That's right, yes. And it, it was a groundbreaking um, thing for Australia. Oh, no, Brian Cole. <clears throat> groundbreaking gra- it was not, because we didn't get TV till 1956 uh, when they, the Olympic Games the Olympics. Olympics was in 1956 when Channel 9 did the first broadcast yeah. Yeah. well so America had, had TV in 1928 and the UK in 1936 so the ground had been broken well and truly oh yes yes mm. but, the, but, the, but, but by, com- by the time we got it they had improved a hell of a lot yeah but commercial TV as you said was current with the Olympics here in Melbourne mm. in 56 we uh, had television in Melbourne before the ABC that's for sure yeah now there are people gnawing at the uh, at the entrails of the ABC to take it down and leave us with uh, just commercial TV. Oh yeah, that's but this is where see the but the funny part about it is that the ABC is rated as the most trusted broadcaster in Australia. Unless they, you're a Liberal Prime Minister. Oh well, and then they're <laughs> the devil. Yeah, well, but the the industry has come full circle. It has because. In 1960, for instance, you would have had a TV license and you would have paid to view. Then commercial TV came along in 56 and you had to watch the commercials, but you still needed a license. And I assume, because I was an infant at the time, that that income went to run the ABC. Now, if you want to see unique content or particular series coming out of America or England, you subscribe to a cable download. Hmm or an internet download, which you pay for, That's either right. pay-per-view or subscribe. So we've come We've gone circle. all the way around. Now, I don't have any of those pay services, but I used to have Boxtel that you paid through the nose for. You still get the ads. So yeah. you're not winning anything. No. 
No, but but that was the thing. We but I think that they gave away the um, license fee in the old days because they weren't getting enough money out of it because people just weren't paying the license fees, oh. and they had they had vehicles that would go round that could tell Snooping. if you if you yeah. had a. A, a television TV going. Yeah. That's why my TV antenna actually is within my roof space under the tiles. I've got a friend in Aspendale who has exactly the same location for his antenna, but it's there because the one he used to have on the roof was eaten by cockatoos. <laughs> oh, wow. They just picked it to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> or it got crapped on Probably by waiting for the juicy bit in the middle. I've got, I have one in my roof as well, but that's been disconnected, and I have one that's out the back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The other A that we would like to talk about is the Aral Sea. Yes. Now, there's, now, a, there's a disaster happening. Please describe what this Aral Sea is and where is it located? Well, the Aral Sea is up near the Black Sea, um, between the Black Sea and Tagizistan, or one of those stand yeah. places. And it was it's a, one of the biggest freshwater lakes in Europe, actually. Or well, the, in the, Asia. In the Asia part, that, that area. And there were used to be they used to be uh, fishermen that would be able to feed their families and all and sell the fish and all the rest of it, but then uh, the Russians decided that they would uh, use the water to irrigate their farms. Yeah, and there's not been enough water flowing in, and dam the river that flowed into the Aral Sea. Yeah, and now because the Aral Sea was actually fresh water, it wasn't uh, salt water. water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now they're all they've got left is um, the island that appeared up in the middle of the two seas, the North and the South Aral Seas, and all the water's been taken out of there. And now the the people that were farming the sea for fish and all the rest of it, they've got no jobs, they've got no money, they can't do anything. And, and the, it's a the disaster. boats are high and dry because yep. there ain't no water yep, to float right. the boat? Yep, totally totally disaster, of course, for the local area. But the uh, Russians have been able to just build the dam and take the water, like something a bit like they do up in Queensland here in, in, uh, in Australia. Yeah, yeah they yeah. sort of take all the Take all the water, water out of the Murray or the... Or the, the uh, head rivers. Head rivers, head of the river, and to grow uh, rice which are, and uh, cotton, cotton. cotton and rice, yeah which we shouldn't be growing in Australia because we don't have the water for it. It's very thirsty stuff. Yes. The um, National Geographic Society have said it's just going to be an absolute disaster. Mm. We muck around with nature and we, uh, we suffer reap the, the consequences. consequences. Exactly. Mm-hmm. One of the other cr- things that nature provided is a huge root system which had sprouting from it a whole series of trees and genetically all these trees because they were shoots from this original one root root system Mm. they're all brothers and sisters they're They're clones they are clones exactly and it's it's amazing that the um it is the biggest living tissue in the world it's bigger than the blue whale and it's bigger than also almost anything and it goes stretches for kilometers uh, I think it's America, isn't it, Philip? Well, it's in Utah, and it Utah. covers about 100 acres. They're worried, though, because some foreign invaders are eating the it, tree shoots, yeah. and that's depriving the, the root system of its, its energy, the light and the yeah. chlorophyll and everything to, to, to maintain itself. And it's these deers and the other uh, in, creatures that are uh, eating it all off. But the... the, the they're so prolific because there's no wolves anymore because they've been taken out of the, out of the uh, system. chain. That's right, yeah. But I see there's some parts of America that they want to re they are reintroducing wolves, much to the 
uh, chagrin of the um, sheep farmers or whatever it is that they or the cattle farmers because they say the wolves kill their animals. And the three little pigs. Oh, yeah, that's They're right. They're very much them. against the wolf coming yes, back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they've, they've, that's, they've, they're having a bit of a problem with that um, so root system. In some ways, they've recognised that nature has been interfered with and uh, they've got to take steps to, to redress the imbalance and uh, there are consequences of implementing that redress. But the whole of human nature is to ch- try to change the way we live and try to change everything. We do the same thing here in Australia where we cut down forests which have nesting places for birds and and food for birds and all the rest of it. We just cut them down for firewood or something or other. It's really quite stupid. We don't recognise the consequences until it's too late quite often. And we've been known to introduce some wonderful, wonderful species like rabbits and cane toads and all those sort of things. They've done real real helpful, haven't they, for our our, our habitat. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah, but anyhow, that's that. That's that's what's happened. We've got to stop doing these stupid things. Otherwise, nature will not work in our favour. Well, the first thing they've got to do is to do something about climate, don't you think? Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, you revegetate the world. You're with Gordon, Phil, and Chris. Been there, done that. Joy ninety four point nine. Love radio. Joy is now on iHeartRadio. Turn us on anywhere. You're with Phil, Chris, and Gordon. Been there, done that. Joy ninety four point nine. We've got a little bit of international uh, reportage for your information. Oh, good. That's better. Reportage. We like re-reportage, yes. (laughs) One of them is Chelsea Manning. Had a very interesting history, hasn't she? Was drummed out of the US Armed Forces because of wiki-leaking. I hope she gets that fixed. (laughs) She's gone and had that fixed up. (laughs) Went to a wiki plumber. (laughs) The current report is the fact that after a decade of fighting through prison, the courts, hunger strike and through insurance company, she finally got surgery on the weekend in the 23rd of October 2018, confirming her preferred gender. Mm, She's completely now transgendered, yes, that's right. I understand that in some countries you don't actually have to have what I'm going to call the snip, but uh, I'm not trying to make light of that particular activity, that event. But some people, it it is a required uh, action because it's a surplus piece of flesh that the body doesn't need anymore and it screws around with my brain because the rest of my body says I'm female. Well, that's the, 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 it makes the whole thing complete then. You yeah. see, that's that's the, the completion of the tran- to complete transgendered. And it's and good luck to Chelsea Manning. But um, she's she's had a hell of a job. But she, the, one of the last acts that Barack Obama did before he was left the uh, presidency was to pardon her and release her from jail. So now she's out and can lead her own normal life, which is rather good. Well, she's trying to. She was going to come out here on a speaking tour. Oh, she got stopped, didn't she? And um, our lovely free speech government basically said, well, we're too scared of America. You better not come. Welcome to the free world. So she did a, She did the whole thing from a conference, a <coughs> television conferencing thing. Yeah. Sneaky, yeah, all sneaky. the free speech, you mean. Yep. However, President Trump has decided, though, that the, the transgender policy and birth certificates and identity descriptions and things have, have all got to be brought back to uh, base one and base start one. all over again. Whatever you were born with is going to be on your passport come hell or high water, and that's what I'm mm. telling you. So you know. all the advances for the trans community over the year, last 
10, 15 years have been wiped out because what he, well, will be if, if what he uh, proposes gets through. Would that have to go to the Supreme Court to do anything to be passed as a, as a legal judgment? Well, or? he can do that now because he's stacked the well, courts. Well, he's stacked the courts. That's what I was getting at. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's what I'm getting at. So it's uh, it, the, the, the whole thing for the whole LGBTIQ um, people in, in America now is really up for grabs because of the way he stacked the court with that mm. last bloke, Mr. Kavanaugh. Well, with any legislation, it's a, it's a series of definitions then with some words of action to implement. Uh, what he's proposing is to go back to the definition stage and say before we, we say what can occur, we've got to make sure that this definition now suits our way of considering the world. Yes, yes, it's it's a he's a he's a strange man, is Donald Trump. He really is it's just quite unbelievable what he does. But you can't fight reality. There's a, a hashtag on Twitter called "Won't Be Erased," hmm. and it's basically <clears throat> representing the estimated 1.4 American, 1.4 million Americans who don't identify with their gender yeah. at birth. Yeah, yeah, they're not going to go away. No, they're there. You know, they're, they're human beings. Why do you? I can't understand why people carry on so much about the the, the way we are. Um, well, it's where we do no hope, no harm to anybody. You it's know, a, it's the binary concept again. Yeah, yes or no, black or white. Yeah, yeah. He's male his, or female. His terminology is: I'm protecting everybody. I want to protect our country. He's not protecting everybody if he's doing that. But what's the threat? It's discrimination, and and he is now. But he is discriminating. Yeah. Instead yeah. of fighting it, he's causing it. Yeah. Could could couldn't he be had up for hate? Well, be an interesting loop. But he's the president of all Americans, yeah. not just the ones he likes. Yeah, I guess so. Oh. Yeah. But how do how do we know he's going to do anything? Because so far he hasn't. Yeah. I'm waiting mm. for the wall. Are oh, you waiting for the wall? Yeah, it's going to come west of the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, now, a report that we've uh, seen from the British scene is that they're considering now that HIV-positive gay and bisexual men have now, with modern medications, the opportunity to ensure that they don't pass on anything of their HIV status. That's with the new pills called PrEP. Hmm. And, and therefore, that opens the opportunity to have families to have offspring that don't carry any of the HIV in in the child. Yeah, well, it, it's it's amazing that they can do this because with with prep when the, when the the undetected and untransmissible uh, U equals U, um, it, it works because there there are straight people that have had HIV and are on prep and don't have this. Their U equals U. And they're having children that the children are not born with with the HIV. Mm. They're born completely normal. But there's a whole stigma in Britain about HIV people going to the clinics to have um, surrogacy. And they have to prove that they have no diseases that like mm, HIV that can be passed on. And, and they say that they're protecting the surrogate people from any chance of the virus. Well, but you can do it if you're straight, but you can't do it if you're gay. Another another sort of a bit of discrimination somewhere along the line. When people are completely undetectable, why would it matter? But it's good, I suppose, in some ways that they're now considering this as 
a barrier that can be broken down and should be broken down and, and not trapped behind legislation that is out of date. Yeah, yeah but apparently there's, you can go to America and have the and and be, have surrogacy through even though you're um, HIV positive but completely negative with the um, with PrEP. I guess there's caution also if we've learned anything from the whole AIDS crisis is that initially we knew nothing. It's taken us decades to get to this point where we can be undetectable. Doesn't mean we know everything. Oh God, no! This, you know, they're, we're still there. Must be rolling a dice there somewhere. There must be certain people that probably the prep doesn't take effect with, you mm. know, and and they figure that they're free of it, but but then they get tested all the time to make sure that they are. Yeah. You know, this is the only way to do it. Keep keep testing even when you're on prep, just to make sure that nothing has happened. But that's not all people with HIV. No, but only the ones who have come forward to be tested. Mm. Yeah. And even if I'm just surmising here, and I'm with with my own lack of knowledge, I wonder if the baby that is born from an HIV positive father is then detected with HIV. They could go on to prep, couldn't they? And they'd be undetectable as well for the rest of their life. I mean, it's a, a whole weird concept to to imagine. You've got to take a little blue pill every every day. There have been people, a baby's born to HIV couples. Yeah. Um, I know one of one particularly and uh, the baby was born and they it was born cesarean so it wasn't born through the mm. natural way because that was one of the ways they could become infected. And uh, when the baby was born it was put straight on to AZT I think it was at the time and the, the little girl is now a married woman and what have you nothing wrong with her. It does seem that in the placenta there is a lot of protection yeah, there. That's right. And yeah. the baby is I believe is well protected in this mm. safe zone. Yeah, well, there was the, the, the apparently it's when when the baby's born, the natural body fluids of the mother can get into the baby's eyes, and that's where they can be infected. Mm. That's when they could be infected. Yeah. This is a, one of the things I read. Uh, yeah, so cesarean was the opposite opposite the, the way to go, and and hail Caesar. Yeah, well done. Yeah, well, there you are. And she was a beautiful yeah. little baby. We saw her often. Yeah. Yay. Mm. On the 6th of November 1999, Australia voted against becoming a republic in a national referendum. (laughs) And it's rearing its ugly head again, isn't it? Well, it's not having much luck because the mob that are in power at the moment, the royals, they've had the PR crew into the family, into the firm, Mm. and they are putting out very attractive but, but, members of the team. But but you see, the Queen has also said herself, she's getting a bit sick and tired of Australians sort of saying they're going to wait till she dies yeah, before yeah, yeah, they yeah. do anything about it, which is a bit of a thing about the Queen, isn't it? It says yeah. something about her, the poor old love. She could live to be 102. Yeah, but, 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 but what she's done, uh, or the firm has done, is actually provided uh, a continuity of her... Oh family in, in a very attractive and, and productive way with with wills and harry yeah well wills has got two hasn't he or three yeah. now three two or three anyhow he's got enough they've got an air and a spear there as well <laughs> and so that well that's what diana was for yeah um and then you've got uh, harry that's uh, his yeah. wife is pregnant but, but then harry and harry doesn't have to worry because he's so far down the list he could just be a normal human being yeah, but he's good PR material. That oh, cute yes, little red-headed boy is now somewhat of a cute little red-headed hunk. Oh, yeah, but he's also got humanity and, and, a, and, a, and a whole thing for 
um, what he's been doing. And and when you watch what he was doing out here with the Invictus Games, you just you, you just think what a wonderful man he is. Yeah. You know. Well, if you look at it from a marketing point of view, which yeah, is well, how you look at most things in life, you've got Princess Diana and Prince Charles. The kids took on her personality and persona, which would have been a marketing coup. Because if mm. they turned out like him, they would not be the rock stars they are today. <laughs> yeah, well, you just don't know. But we say Harry, oh, but no, I, but look I at his ears. The, the, the time that Diana had with the two boys, yeah. she instilled into them some sort of graciousness and empathy with the ordinary people that walk the streets. She gave them humanity instead of royalty, because that's all they would have learnt without her. <laughs> it's about time for us to go so thanks very much for being with us join us next week or check the next podcast see what little interesting topics we have to chat about next, next week. week yeah it'll be all different so until Hopefully. then bye for now bye bye this joycast is a free service brought to you by joy 94.9 support joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au Joy 94.9. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.